0: are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you. Heading into the weekend, we're going to talk some NBA. Charles Barkley has a take that, whether you love him or hate him, he's always got a take. I happen to disagree with this one. I'll tell you what that is. We're going to talk about Victor Wembenyama. We haven't brought him up literally since before the season started. Remember how I was singing his praises? Well, He's a little over halfway through his first NBA season, and have you seen the numbers that he's put up? Very quietly, because the Spurs suck. They're not very good. Haven't won a lot of games. They're not on national television. But have you seen Nyama's numbers? We're also going to talk a little bit more about the NFL Combine. It started yesterday, although I can't stand it, and I think it's overhyped. What did I do yesterday? I watched about 90 straight minutes of it. And then uh, Caitlin Clark got a thought on her coming up. We'll get to all that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including prone college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds at stats and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting contests. And all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. So let's start out in the NBA, where Charles Barkley has a take. And look, everybody. Charles is the most polarizing figure in all of NBA media, for sure. Because while I don't necessarily believe that he believes everything that comes out of his mouth, I think he believes a lot of it, but not all of it. I do think he says some things just to get a rise out of people. There's no doubt about that. Now, sometimes when he pokes cities like the San Antonio women... And, you know, the crime rate in San Francisco, like he's done on TV in recent years, that's just uncalled for. I understand that, you know, it's just, oh, it's Charles being Charles. No, he can shut his mouth when it comes to stuff like that. It's just just irrelevant. We want to hear some sort of basketball analysis, some sort of basketball take from him. And he's got one this week. And he made it well known. He doesn't think the Lakers and the Warriors are a threat in the Western Conference. He says, I'm so sick of these fools on other networks talking about the Lakers and the Warriors. Well, let's look at the Lakers and the Warriors right now <clears throat> in the NBA and in the standings for NBA. They're a, they're ninth and tenth. Like right now, if the season ended, they would play each other and the loser wouldn't make the playoffs and the winner would go on to play the winner of the 7-8 game. And if they won that, they'd be the eighth seed. So... Here we are, 58 games into the season. I mean, that means we still got 24 games left. So plenty of time to make some move. And when you look at it, the Mavericks and the Smack- Sacramento Kings are 7th and 8th in the West with 25 losses. Golden State's only two behind them in the loss column with 27, and the Lakers at 28. As I'm recording this, they're losing to the Washington Wizards in overtime, but if they come back and win, they're still sitting in the 10th seat. They've got basically a five-game lead. Over Utah. Utah's not catching either of those teams. So basically from the 5 to the 10 seed, there's going to be so much movement in the next 24 games. It's not even really worth breaking down right now who's going to finish where. But I will say this. Have you watched the Golden State Warriors lately? Ever since Draymond came back and ever since they inserted Jonathan Kaminga into the starting lineup and took Clay Thompson out of the starting lineup, which anybody in the world would have thought would have been sacrilegious, this team has won eight of their last 10. So the Lakers, if they win, they finish off Washington. And as I look at the score, it's tied at 131 in overtime. I'm sure LeBron and AD will come and pull this thing out at the end. But the Lakers win 7-3 in their last 10. These are the two teams that are probably playing the best basketball in the West right now. Lakers have a huge game on Saturday, prime time, against the Nuggets. They're going to need to win that one. They don't want to fall any further back. But to say that Charles Barkley said, I don't think anything, not a threat. I mean, Charles, I don't know if you know. (laughs) To say that they're not a threat is pretty ridiculous, and here's why. Do you remember what seed the Lakers were last season? They were the seventh seed. And who got to the Western Conference Finals against Denver? The Lakers did. Did they get swept? Yes. Were they in the game within five points in the last five minutes of all four games they got swept? Yes. So remember, the Lakers retooled their roster at the All-Star break last year, and then they ended the season on a great run. And here we are, right after the All-Star break. They played well heading into it, and now they're playing well coming out of it. To say that you were going to absolutely say they are not a threat is ridiculous, The Golden State Warriors have won four of the last eight NBA championships. Is this team as dominant? No. But to say to count them out? And they're not a threat? I mean, if the Warriors played the Pelicans in the first round, would you really be surprised if they beat them? I wouldn't. If they played the Suns in the first round, would you be surprised if they beat them? I wouldn't. Now, Warriors might have to play the Clippers, Nuggets, Thunder, or Wolves in the first round. I don't think they can beat the Nuggets probably can't beat the Clippers, but as great as OKC has been, they just lost to the Spurs last night, which, you know, doesn't mean anything. In an 82-game season, you know, you get beat by a bad team every once in a while. It happens. But you got to remember, the OKC Thunder are, this is going to be their first foray into the playoffs with this nucleus that they have. So I don't want to automatically assume that because they might end up with the one or two seed in the West, they are definitely a lock. I mean, We've seen how these things go. You know, the Philadelphia 76ers were riding high in the Eastern Conference. They lose Joel Embiid, and they've been terrible since. So they're going to end up being a 7 or an 8 seed, maybe even a 6. But if they get Embiid back a couple weeks before the end of the season, which he says is his goal, throw their record out the window. It It won't matter because they've got literally the best player in the Eastern Conference who probably would have won another MVP this year the way he was going before he got hurt. So the seeding will not matter cuz the Lakers struggled for the first half of the season. We know this. But if they catch their groove and they catch their stride and they finish the season strong, who wants to be, who wants to play them in the playoffs? Certainly not the T-Wolves. Because the Lakers can match them with their height. OKC, Denver, I mean Denver's the defending champion. And I still think they're going to represent the West this year. I st- even though they're sitting at the third seed, they're two games out of first place. I still think they're probably the best team in the West, and they're going back to the finals. I, You know, I'm I'm going to pick a Denver-Boston final, but the only other team I can see in the East to make the finals would be the Bucks, And even they have issues. But they've also got Giannis, and Giannis is the great equalizer. But... To say the Warriors and the Lakers are not even threats in the Western Conference is just, I think that's Charles trying to get a rise out of people again. Let's talk a little Victor Wembenyama. Did you see what he did last night? He did something that no player in the history of the NBA had ever done before. Victor Wembenyama had 28 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 5 blocks, 2 steals, and was 5 of 7 on 3-pointers. He's the first player in NBA history with a 25-point, 10-rebound, 5-assist, 5-block, and 5 assists, 5 block and 53 pointers in a game. The kid's 20 years old. He's literally 58 games into his first NBA season. Have you seen his numbers on the year? Shooting numbers aren't great, but he's not even playing 30 minutes a game. He's playing 28 minutes a game, averaging 20.7 points a game, 10.2 rebounds. He shoots 81% from the line. He hasn't been shooting threes well all year. He only averages – he's only shooting about 33% from the three-point line, but averages 3.4 assists a game, 3.3 blocks a game. And if you've watched any Spurs games, which – are few and far between on national television. You probably have to have the NBA full-court package to watch some of their games. But the kid is... We talked about this. I talked about this heading into this season. He's a freak. He's a freak of nature. We've never seen anything like this in the NBA before. Not that he's a big guy who can shoot outside because a lot of them pretty much have to do it now to get on the floor. But the way he handles the ball, he can grab a rebound, handle the ball, bring it up court, and either drive and dunk... Or hit a step back three. It is. I know, yeah, he's seven foot four and 20 years old. So the hype was there. Everyone said, look at how skinny he is. How is he going to last in an NBA season? Well, I think the fact that they're only playing him 28 minutes a game probably has to do with his weight. He does have to put on more weight, but he's completely coordinated. He's completely one of the best athletes out there. If you're averaging 20 and 10 in 28 minutes a game, can you imagine if they bump him up to 35 minutes a game, 37 minutes a game, which I'm sure he'll be at in his early 20s, maybe at age 20, you know, give him three years in the league and just kind of build him up. Next year he'll average 30 minutes a game. Uh, in his second year, in his third year, maybe they'll go up to 32. It's fourth year they go up to 34. Fifth year, get up to 36. This kid averaging 36 minutes a game is going to put up 30 points and 15 rebounds. <laughs> it's... I, it's the hype is there, and he's lived up to it. So I'm happy for the kid. It's fun watching him play because it's like, it's like a monster out there. It's like the monsters against Michael Jordan's team in Space Jam. He's an alien. It's just not – guys his size should not be as nimble as he is, should not be able to handle the ball like he does, should not be able to shoot like he does. The Victor Wembenyama Show is here to stay, everyone. I hope you're watching it. I didn't mention this in the open, but did you see the story that Shohei Otani got married? Apparently, he's like such a pop star in Japan that he's been very private about his personal life. He just doesn't talk about it. Nobody even knew he was dating, and then he just dropped on everybody. Oh, yeah, by the way, I married a woman a few months ago a regular Japanese woman, and he's going to talk about it more today in a press conference, I guess. She's not anybody famous. But, man, it must uh, be tough to live that way to where you have to keep it so private. I don't know if she's going to move to L.A. during the season. Not understanding what he's about to do with that. But, yeah, I guess he's going to hold a press conference today, talk about it a little bit. But basically, he's going to keep it quiet from everybody like, hey, boys. Let's let's not just dive into my personal life. I mean, he's going to win his third MVP this year, right? He's going to lead the Dodgers to the World Series, right? Right? I don't care if he's married to four women. Just win. Hit the ball out of the ballpark 50 times this year. Drive in 120 to 130. Hit close to 300 and win some playoff games. In fact, win all your playoff games. Win enough to win the NBA title. How about that? Oh yeah, update, Lakers won, 134-131 over Washington. So they remain still the 10 seed, but um, have some big games coming up where they can gain some ground playing against those Western Conference teams that are ahead of them. But anyway, back to Otani. No, he's he's the freak of nature in baseball and really curious to see what he does at Dodger Stadium. I think you know all he does is hit. He's never going to touch a, the field it's not gonna pitch, it's not gonna play the outfield, not even gonna throw him at first base. It's just here you go. There you go. Otani. Dodgers. Watch them. It's gonna be awesome. Did you see any of the NFL Combine yesterday? Just out of curiosity, just wanted to know if you'd seen it. Because it was what it is every year. Guys in biker shorts, sprinting, high jumping, touching cones. It's, you know, look, as silly as it may seem, every single head coach in the NFL was pretty much there or their scouting department was there or their GM was there. I mean, they you saw them in the stands. If you've watched any of this yesterday, I watched 90 minutes of it and was just fascinated by it all, even though I sit here and say every year, this is the most overhyped thing that the NFL does because like I said yesterday, if somebody bench presses 35 reps and that's two plates on each side, so I think that's 220, 225, wait, 180 and 45. Yeah, 225. If some guy benches out, does, you know, pushes out 34, 35 reps, it's like great. But how does that help you play football? Yes, it means you're strong on a bench press. But if you have horrible footwork, you have terrible technique. If you're an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, like how much you bench press does not matter. Although it does remind me of the Saturday night live skit. How much you bench. <laughs> remember those guys that were all yoked out in the chest and then they had these dangling legs. <laughs> Cause let's face it. Most guys don't do leg day. Um, but read the article. Cause I was like, I don't remember all these people. I don't remember who did well or whatever. Uh, But according to ESPN, Chop Robinson, an edge out of Penn State, had a really good day. Really good. Weighed in at 254 pounds. He had a 40-yard dash of 4.48. Wow. Not bad for a guy at 254. A 4.4? 4 His 10-yard split time of 1.54 is also elite timing. It's the fourth fastest among 250-plus pound defenders since 03. So apparently, according to ESPN, he's moved himself into the first round with his performance yesterday. Again, he was good in college, was a good edge rusher, but am I going to be wowed by these numbers and be like, oh, he's going to be awesome. He's going to get over 10 sacks this year and have multiple tackles for losses. I don't know. Other guys that did well: defensive tackle Mason Smith out of LSU, Braden Fiske, defensive tackle out of Florida State, Ruke Orhoroho, defensive tackle out of Clemson, Muhammad Kamara, the edge out of uh, edge rusher out of Colorado State, Peyton Wilson, linebacker NC State. Other guys who had bigger names did decent: Dallas Turner out of Alabama, Jared Verse out of Florida State, Laia Atu I- Latu edge rusher out of UCLA. Didn't do great in the drills. But again, like, see, that's the thing. I think you can make a case. If you're a GM or you're a coach and you're just like, we've got so much tape on Latu out of out of UCLA. He had 23 and a half sacks in his career at UCLA. A lot of tackles for losses. And then he comes to the combine and he runs a four six four forty at 261 pounds and 1.62 second 10-yard split. I, it's just like, what do you pay more attention to? It's almost like if you put enough good tape out there, I don't really think the combine's going to kill you. It really isn't. But the other way around, if you look pretty decent on tape and then you throw up some great numbers at the combine, I think it could help your case. But Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat out of Texas, Edrian Cooper at a AM. I mean, there's just so many things to look over. I looked over all of these and I'm just like, okay, you know, I think it's tough for a defensive, like at least on offense, when the offensive guys are at the combine, you know, you can see them throw, you can see them run, you can see how receivers uh, cut and plant and how they run their routes. Defensive linemen, you're not going up against anybody. It's just here, sprint, jump, do some bench presses and do some cone drills. It's like, okay, I don't know how much that's going to tell me about a defensive lineman. I don't understand it, but that's what they do. And some people's careers are made off this shit, and I I think they should just look at tape. How does this guy play on a football field? Because that's what you're bringing him in to do. You're not bringing him on your team to win bench press competitions or cone drill competitions or see who can jump the highest. You're bringing him on your team to see if he can play football. So you would think you're going to put way more stock into how many games he played in college and how he played in those games versus what he did on a combine day. But what do I know? I'm not an NFL GM. And finally, Caitlin Clark, the sharpshooter out of Iowa, who is about to break pistol Pete Maravich's record for most points in a college career, already broke the women's record. And uh, she's about She's going to break it this weekend. I think she's 18 points behind Pistol Pete. She announced yesterday she's going to leave Iowa after this year and go and declare herself for the NBA draft, which is perfectly normal, perfectly expected probably. I'm sure Iowa fans would have loved for her to come back for a fifth year. But she's played four years. She's going to be the greatest scorer in college basketball history, men or women. What left does she have to accomplish at Iowa? Yeah, I'm sure she'd love to win the NCAA tournament and win the championship heading out this year. Maybe they will. Maybe they will win the tournament. I don't think they're as good as South Carolina. South Carolina hasn't lost this year. The 28-0. And I've seen Iowa play probably five or six games, and the only reason I even watch women's college basketball is for this woman. She's, it's like watching Steph Curry, but of women's basketball. She's fascinating to watch. I don't think the team is good enough to win it all. But if she gets to the Final Four or gets to the final game like they did last year against LSU, I think that's what people are hoping for. You know, in Iowa, South Carolina, either finals or Final Four, that'd be great. But it's time for her to go to the WNBA. And as I said it when I covered the NBA All-Star Game weekend festivities, Caitlin Clark 1,000% needs to be part of the NBA All-Star Weekend next year. Assuming they're having one, they still continue to do that, she has to be there. If they're going to do a Steph Curry versus Sabrina Nescu this year, next year it should be Steph and Dame Lillard against Sabrina and Caitlin Clark. That's the best idea I heard. So hopefully we get that going. I'm going to watch Iowa basketball as much as I can for the end of the season because she is must-see TV. I hope you do too. Check it out because you've never seen anything like her in college basketball for women. You just You just don't. Nobody has ever shot the ball. Like this woman does. It is fascinating to watch. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review, but you got to hit play. You can't just have it download into your feed and not listen. Please hit play every day. I really appreciate it. Tell your friends about it. I hope everyone has a great weekend. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!